Welcome back to Second Helping, the podcast of choice for fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network, back with you alongside my great friend and co-host, Brent Beard, longtime college football analyst, most recently for First Coast News in Jacksonville, Florida. Brent, of course, also a voter in the most prestigious honor in college football, probably college athletics in general. When you talk about the Heisman Trophy, it is a Thursday, April the 20th. Brent, welcome back to the show. We've got spring games immediately in our wake that we're going to talk about today. And we got a couple more before we wrap up 2023 spring drills. Yeah, we do. Alabama and LSU going on this weekend. And uh, Travis, this transfer portal has added another dimension to uh, spring football. It was originally set up for May 1 through May 15. Now it's April 15 through April 30th. Uh, Trev, we've got about half a dozen Division One teams. Their spring game is April 29th, and the portal closes April 30th. Yeah, it's uh, it's a wild time. And as you've said, uh, you've got that condensed time between spring games the next couple of weekends and the closure of that portal window. Now, grad transfers, as we've talked about, they can jump in at any time. Uh, this is more so for those first-time transfers looking to make a move. And look, we've got teams that have spring games set for this weekend, and we're already seeing guys from some of those teams <laughs> yeah. jump into the portal. I think Alabama here in the last week has had three, a um, couple of defensive backs and a tight end. We'll get into more of that as we preview a day coming up here in just a little bit, but we wanted to get into last weekend's action because first and foremost, we know that you were positioned in Gainesville, Florida for the 2023 orange and blue game and a lot of anticipation as will be the case with a number of these scrimmages that we'll talk about right there at the quarterback position, Brent, uh, Graham Mertz coming in. Uh, you've got some other options in play there as well. Uh, what was the feeling maybe both, inside that stadium and then with Billy Napier afterward about what they saw from those guys? Uh, uh, I think very honestly, Graham Mertz, Jack Miller, Max Brown, uh, Trev, they all three look like backup quarterbacks. Uh, I mean, Mertz's numbers would lead you to think uh, that it was better than it was 18 to 29 for 244. Now, again, we know, conditions at spring games and the defense blitz a lot. And I give um, Armstrong a lot of credit, the the new D coordinator at Florida. I thought their defense was improved, but you've got a situation here with these three quarterbacks and, and Billy Napier Trav after the game uh, was not hesitant to say that he very well will be looking into the portal uh, to see what they can do. Now they've got a kid named Austin Simmons, who is a 2025 prospect, but finished high school early uh, and has earned some college credits. Uh, not sure uh, where that would be, but the reality is you can't bring a uh, a true freshman into this situation, frankly. Uh, and uh, sometimes when you've got three quarterbacks, uh, even though you've got a, a good numbers in your quarterback room, uh, Trav, they're – there are no John Elways here, uh, but yet at the same time, what they need is a guy who can make routine plays, 
and that's what they didn't get last year out of Anthony Richardson. So the the quarterback situation is a mixed bag. Yeah, it feels like they're still a year away on the recruiting yes. trail because yes. DJ Lagway uh, is a five star that's a part of this 2024 class already from Willis, Texas. 6'2", 225 pounds. Again, the third ranked quarterback for the class of 2024, according to the 24-7 sports composite rankings. But that doesn't help Billy Napier right now. And I did watch some of that scrimmage. Um, I would say both quarterbacks were slow starting. I did feel better about Mertz as the (laughs) scrimmage wore on. Now you start getting into some mixes of personnel and who exactly are you going against and who are you working with and doing so. So context kind of gets lost in some of these spring games. But I think absolutely you can draw from that performance that Florida is not dynamic at the quarterback position. And if nothing else with Anthony Richardson, and this is the reason why you're seeing him in the top five, perhaps of overall picks for the upcoming NFL draft was that you knew one way or another, Something dynamic was going to happen <laughs> with Anthony Richardson. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty milk toast. Uh, the the outlook with with these two guys uh, that we saw primarily at the top of the depth chart in that orange and blue performance. One thing I did have reaffirmed for me is if there's any way that they can get their running backs like a combined 40 touches a game right, right. in 2023, that's what Florida is going to have to do to have a chance yeah. to win games right now. Uh, that's their strength. Uh, behind the offensive line, Montreal Johnson had 87 yards. Trevor Etienne averaged six yards a carry. Uh, and they've also got a two-lane transfer, Count Carroll, uh, who also got in there a little bit. There's absolutely no question about that. They're, the, the, what they're hoping for is a, a, a an improved defense with the likes of Caleb Banks, who came from Louisville, and Manny Dunnery, who came from Houston, and Kim Jackson from Memphis and Deuce Spurlock from Michigan. So, uh, Trev, you're spot on. I mean, this is going to be a, a, a team that's going to probably be a plodding, uh, slow-moving team uh, that is going to probably have to drive the length of the field a, a few times behind their running game, and hopefully they're, they're going to have a good kicking game until they can get more out of the passing game and go with what you said Trev, neither of the three were, and I'm curious if you saw this, uh, neither of the three were very good with the deep ball. No, and I felt like the reason why maybe that we saw the blitzing we saw from the Florida defense in the scrimmage was that Billy Napier may have wanted to see that for his quarterback. absolutely. And for that offense to see how they handled it. Mm -hmm. Because it's coming in the fall. (laughs) And, and, And a lot of that, is going to have to do more so with the Florida run game. You're going to see teams bringing numbers on early downs and saying, look, we're going to take these running backs in this running game out and we'll man up on the outside because, you know, Ricky Pearsall, a nice player and by Florida standards right now, certainly number one-ish for them. Uh, But I think he's really, at the end of the day, a really good number two. Yes. And so that's the, the problem for Florida out there on the horizon is, okay, yeah, these backs are great. But if teams put seven, eight guys in the box and take away some of that, or do you got a quarterback and a set of receivers that can make a defense pay for it? So I do think that it is also a byproduct of how poor Florida was defensively a year ago. I think there is a need to protect that side of the ball as well. And certainly if you can run the football effectively, 
uh, you can limit the opportunities that maybe an opposing offense have to go to work on an evolving Florida defense at this point. Hey, let's talk about Arkansas on the heels of the Razorbacks spring game from last Saturday. Um, sounds like Dan Enos is bringing more of that pro style yes. approach to that Arkansas offense. Is that a good thing? A bad thing or a yet-to-be-determined thing where K.J. Jefferson is concerned? I think it's yet-to-be-determined. Now, Jefferson says with the pro-style offense that he is getting hit less, uh, which means they probably aren't doing as much uh, RPO as they were. Now, that doesn't mean that he won't run the ball uh, and that they won't run the ball because they they are. Uh, the, The bottom line that Pittman said that he wanted to see in the spring was he wanted to see them get back to be more physical. (laughs) We've heard a little bit of that in Tuscaloosa, have we, Trav? So Pittman saying the same thing, uh, and to go along with that, uh, Enos, who obviously has been there before, uh, they say has done some pretty good things over the spring. They, They don't have a lot of playmakers at wide receiver, uh, they're a little bit similar to Florida with a better quarterback. And Kate Fortin uh, came in, the backup quarterback. He did a pretty good job, uh, and they can depend on him at this time. So, uh, Trav, my question to you, and, and we don't know the answer to this yet, is, and I think that's an astute point, what will this pro-style offense, uh, will that make K.J. Jefferson more effective or uh, I think it's yet to be determined. Yeah, where it's yet to be determined for me is the immediate impact of it. Yes. Um, and as you outlined there, maybe some limitations at the skill player positions uh, could make this offense more uh, running game centric than it's been even in previous years under Sam Pittman, but not as much tempo, perhaps. Maybe it's more of a methodical approach, which, again, similar to Florida, could also help you out on the defensive side of the ball where I think it's good for KJ Jefferson is in proving his uh, place with NFL people. Sure. You know, they like to see guys under center. They like to see guys more in this type of approach. And so for KJ, if he performs well from under center and in more of a pro style attack, that's going to help him looking ahead to the national football league. Speaking of quarterbacks, There was an ongoing derby that took place in Athens, Georgia last Saturday. Sounds like Carson Beck, a continuation of what we've heard and seen from him over the last year or so, continues to, I guess, Brent, cement his status as next man up to replace Stetson Bennett behind center. Oh, if they played uh, today, I don't think there's any doubt that Carson Beck would run out there uh, with the ones. Now, Brock, people may not have heard this, but Brock Vandergriff made it um, uh, very apparent this week that he was staying, that he was not leaving. And again, your proverbial, your hamstring away. Beck was fine, 15 to 22 for 231. Uh, but like a Georgia beat writer told me, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. They've got so much talent around them. Uh, and, and listen, Trav, if people haven't seen Dominic Lovett yet, he took a little, probably six-yard out problem pattern, broke two or three tackles, and turned it into probably 30 yards easily or something like that. Ra Ra Thomas did not play. Uh, Kirby did not 
elaborate on that situation, but he said he had some things to uh, deal with. But, the, I mean, the talent, obviously, around whoever the quarterback's going to be is just incredible. They need to get Kendall Milton healthy. He had a hamstring. But, look, the biggest thing that came out for Georgia uh, was obviously the announcement uh, for Bear Alexander that he was going into the transfer portal. And, Trav, my understanding is – talking with some Georgia beat writers, they did not know this was going on. And it was either like right in the locker room before the game started, or maybe even at, at halftime when this, when all this came out on three started it. So uh, look, that there's, there's no question they'll be favored again to win the East probably been, it obviously end up in Atlanta. They've got an easy schedule now, look, that's not saying they don't have some holes like like replacing Jalen Carter, and they've got the talent to be able to do it. But I think Carson Beck from Jacksonville just basically uh, cemented uh, that quarterback starting role. Yeah, that's definitely the, the trend and the path that has been taking for some time now. And you said it. It feels like you can just kind of check back on Georgia in November. Yeah, uh, maybe Florida and Jacksonville gives the dogs a run. And yeah, we give Georgia a hard time for the schedule, but we also need to remember that it lost a game against Oklahoma. It did. That was going to be what week two Yeah. because of the impending arrival of the Sooners uh, in this next year that would uh, kind of mess up the home and home there between the dogs and, and OU. So you got to take that into account, too. The intention was there for Georgia to play somebody in September. It just did not uh, work out for either party. Hey, let's talk about Ole Miss on the heels of Saturday's Grove Bowl. And we talked about the quarterback situation with Jackson Dart returning and Spencer Sanders coming in from Oklahoma State. And sounds like both those guys uh, put on a show. And not just both those guys, but LSU transfer Walker Howard as well. Yeah, uh, they were able to uh, uh, listen do all do all kinds of uh, offensive work, and they did uh, what you thought they would do. I mean, this thing was Trev. This thing was fifty-three to fifty-two, uh, which we we all know uh, that they have got tremendous talent. They've got the three quarterbacks in Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders, and the Howard kid as you mentioned, who all did uh, some good things to Ulysses Bentley at running back, SMU transfer, also did well. Uh, but, Travis, I talked to uh, uh, a friend in the Ole Miss media, and he was uh, uh, very uh, emphatic that this defense is no better than it was last year. Now, again, uh, obviously Pete Golding has just gotten there, and it's going to take some time. But his concern in covering them for uh, over the last several years, and I don't mean they don't, they don't have any talent, but they just don't have enough. Uh, and do they have the emphasis and the desire to get that talent was what he expressed to me. So – Trail this uh, uh, this score of the spring game may end up being the score of several Ole Miss games this year. Yeah, when I think about Ole Miss and the transfer portal, I look straight to the offense because there's been a lot of success on that yes. side of the ball. I mean, whether you talk about quarterback, whether you talk about 
wide receiver. I see here where Michael Trigg, once again, mm -hmm. was productive in the spring game, had the injury last year that sort of abbreviated his first season with the Rebels. But defensively, they uh, they might need to hit it hard here yes. in the coming days and uh, a few weeks that are left in the window and uh, see if they can continue to try to augment. I know they've gone defensive in the portal in some previous years, but boy, uh, it's a scary thought with that yes. Ole Miss defense. But say this for Lane, he knows who to get the football to. And he, he does, knows how he? to get him the football because I see where Quinshawn Judkins yeah. as a receiver really had a big scrimmage. <laughs> uh, and again, to go along with Watkins and Trigg, uh, it's kind of easy to see that where, once again, this offense should be very, very productive. They also, uh, now, in, in fairness, uh, they did bring in John Saunders, a Miami-Ohio transfer who did well uh, in Golding's scheme. Uh, but at the, and, and, and for Pete's benefit, he'll certainly have a lot more say-so in uh, personnel and how he fleshes out that scheme and so forth. But safe to say, Trav, that, that, is, that side of the ball will be an ongoing problem for the Rebels. Speaking of the offensive side of the ball, with the tragic passing of head coach Mike Leach, there has certainly been change for Mississippi State on the offensive side of the ball. I know that was a big storyline going into um, Saturday's maroon and white game at Davis Wade Stadium. Uh, tell us a little bit about what went down. Uh, some changes schematically, but... Ultimately, sounds like some reasons for positivity where the state offense is concerned. I, I thought it was interesting. I know you probably picked up on this uh, quickly. Uh, they certainly emphasized the run more. They're using the running backs more well as running backs instead of just as wide receivers. But they're also getting their wide receivers uh, involved as ball carriers. Uh, now, Tulu Griffin is a kid that they really like. Uh, he ran for three yards for a touchdown uh, early on, uh, which certainly helped them. Now, look, we know uh, that with Arnett, they're going to be pretty good defensively. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But, Trav, I'm, I'm going to be uh, uh, fascinated uh, to see uh, kind of where they do with this run-pass balance. And uh, I know you caught this utilizing the tight end position that rarely ever existed travel in the air raid, right? <laughs> yeah, that was uh, not a big part of what <laughs> Mike Leach liked to do uh, offensively. He might have one or two around, but uh, not a central figure in the air raid offense in some uh, previous years. Hey, let's talk about, let's talk about South Carolina had its uh, Garnet and Black spring game over the weekend. Of course, you were expecting to see a lot of Spencer Rattler, Luke Doty at the quarterback position for the Gamecocks. Uh, interesting to note, though, new offensive coordinator situation and a new tight end because the portal took from the tight end position <laughs> at South Carolina. But Trey Knox, the former Arkansas Razorback, comes over with his old coach from Fayetteville and uh, did some nice things, it looks like, here in the in the South Carolina Springer. Yeah, uh, he sure did. Six catches for 40 yards, including a touchdown. Um, now, it may have been exaggerated, but 51,000 of the spring game is certainly not bad. Uh, numbers that we're uh, – that Rattler will improve on, 12 of 20 for 120. Now, I thought the no turnovers, Trav, was more important for Rattler 
than mm-hmm. what his passing yard was going to be. Antoine Wells, uh, we, we know what he's going to do, but they need to get more uh, playmakers involved with this. And, and what surprised me a little bit, their pass rush was better. They had 11 sacks, which is probably basically two-hand touch, what it amounted to. But Elijah Davis and Brian Thomas, some guys like that, that, that did fairly well. Memphis transfer Eddie Lewis uh, also did pretty well. Two catches, 37 yards, and they're they're trying to get DK Joyner. This is a kid you've mentioned before, uh, more involved, uh, and I think he can do some good things. But Dowell Logan's the new offensive coordinator. I uh, think they did pretty well in the spring game. Sounded like it. Speaking of doing well in the spring game. Neyland Stadium had a big crowd for the orange and white game over the weekend. No, there was some talk about perhaps a newcomer challenging Joe Milton at the quarterback position with Hendon Hooker moving on to the National Football League. But the narrative right now, anyway, coming out of East Tennessee seems to be that barring an unexpected setback, Milton is very much the guy moving through the offseason. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, his numbers weren't great, but, but I mean, he played a little bit, and Nicole uh, Lamaliva got in, the five-star recruit, played a good bit, too. Uh, and, look, uh, we know what Josh Heifel can do with quarterbacks, so I think they will be pretty much uh, okay uh, in that situation. But by the way, Milton, yes, 9 of 13 for 79 yards. They had a lot of guys who were out. Uh, Brew McCoy uh, had a little bit of surgery to clean some things up, but but he'll be back. But again, Trav, the thing you and I have talked about repeatedly, how good will they be defensively? Can they stop anybody on third down? Cameron Miller, Wesley Walker, and Caleb Perry all did uh, pretty well in the spring game. So there, that's a few names to to look at for. But uh, more, Trav, uh, uh these folks are the eyes are on Cincinnati, Ohio, where uh, the Tennessee contingent and Jeremy Pruitt are all meeting with the Oof. NCAA. Yeah. Started yeah. yesterday, going to Friday, and and uh, Trev, I'm just guessing here. There's probably a lot of, shall we say, dirty laundry that that Tennessee is really hoping that doesn't come out during these three days. Well, I'm on record and continue to believe that it'll be Jeremy Pruitt that is the biggest loser in all this, more yep. so than even Tennessee when all is said and done. I, I'm, my expectation is that, yes, there will be sanctions of some kind directed at the university, but we're beyond those years of uh, the guillotine, as it felt like, for, for some programs yes. and universities. This isn't the 25 years ago NCAA. So uh, I'd be very surprised if Tennessee comes out of this thing with, say, you know, a massive scholarship right. reduction or you know, a bowl ban, postseason ban. Those things I don't think are in play necessarily for Tennessee. But when you talk about length of a show cause, perhaps for Jeremy Pruitt, that that's where I've got my yes, focus mostly is more so on Pruitt than UT. You know, Texas A&M also had its spring game over the weekend, the maroon and white game at Kyle Field. And another quarterback situation, Connor Wiegman, uh, seemed to really assert himself as the guy down the stretch of the 2022 season. But you know who's still hanging around? 
<laughs> College Station. My guy, Max That's Johnson. Right. Big Max Johnson guy. And sounds like his performance on Saturday sent the message that I am indeed still here. And if the idea is to win now, maybe I'm still not as bad of a choice as some people might think. Well, uh, look, they're in great shape. And, and the media mentioned that both the quarterbacks, Wigman and Johnson, were in midseason form. Uh, re- really impressed with uh, Petrino and, and what he has done for them so far. Trev, I do a podcast with Shane Matthews, uh, and what we were uh, on Thursday morning, and Shane made the point. He said, look, people can criticize Petrino all they want to, but he said, in, in my experience, uh, obviously he was with the Gators with Steve Spurrier, he said Petrino as an offense play caller and developer of quarterbacks is up there with Spurrier. Yeah. Uh, and, and Trav, as we've said many times, when you've got this kind of a wide receiver room with, with uh, Moose Muhammad, Evan Stewart, and Anaya Smith, and, and you've got Petrino, uh, man, uh, uh, what is the potential of this offense this year? Yeah, it's really astronomical what this offense could accomplish. I guess my biggest question comes more so at the running back position because I'm yes. such a big Devon A-Chain fan that I would love the Jacksonville Jaguars to take him if he's there in the third or fourth round. I just love – you think about Texas A&M last year at five and seven. What would their record have been without Devon A-Chain? I mean, would they have been really? three and nine? Yes. Four and eight. I think he was worth at least one or two of those wins. No doubt. So, but otherwise, absolutely, between the quarterback position and offensive line that they feel good about um, and those receivers, it it should be it should be a ready-made walk-in situation for a guy who has been thought well enough of in the past. This is a former NFL head coach. Yes. You know? Uh, this is a former offensive coordinator quarterbacks coach on the NFL level. So I can absolutely see why Shane has those thoughts and those feelings for Bobby Petrino. It's just the dynamic of the personality <laughs> yes. involved yeah. that uh, cause a little bit of maybe unease when thinking about Jimbo and Petrino in 2023. So there you go. That's a recap of last weekend's spring games around the Southeastern Conference. A couple to look at now as we move forward and wrap up 2023 spring drills. The Alabama Crimson Tide, Brent, set to conduct A-Day on Saturday afternoon at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Again, this is another one of those SEC Network Plus situations, so you better get your streamer (laughs) out if you're going to watch the Crimson Tide. Uh, Quarterback situation, once again, when we talk about Alabama with Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson. uh, But as we've outlined before here on the podcast, competitions along that offensive line, competitions in the rotation at wide receiver and running back, uh, defensively, just about everywhere you look, there's a vacancy of some sort that is being contested right now. So a very intriguing spring game by Alabama standards, I would say. Well, you certainly want to see guys like Justice Haynes, who they have raved about, the, uh, the, the tremendous running back who has looked good, in spring now again spring's not fall so uh that sometimes things happen of that nature but yes good quarterback competition uh um nick saban uh talking as he normally does i made some good plays i made some bad plays 
I think the thing that people want to see, Travis, is besides guys like C.J. Dupree, the tight end, is what is this mentality going to be that we've heard about the entire spring? Are they going to be more physical? Will they be tougher uh, in the line of scrimmage? Will they be able to run on third and fourth and short? Uh, I think those are all fascinating things to uh, to think about and how more aggressive will Kevin Steele be? And, and again, uh, we need to mention this because, and I and you know, and I still catch couch as much as rumor than anything else uh, about Miami quarterback Tyler Van Dyke and some desire to transfer to Alabama. Uh, well, we're not saying this is going on, and we're not saying this is going to happen. I'm just saying it's out there. And, and Travis, I mean, we do uh, a lot of coverage of the ACC and obviously living here as Travis and I do in the state of Florida, you certainly keep your eye on Miami. And look, people thought he was the best quarterback in the conference last year. They played quarterback roulette uh, the whole uh, season long. They had a questionable offensive line. They went a lot of weapons. So all that wasn't Tyler Van Dyke's fault. But the reality is uh, there's a lot of improvement needed in Tyler Van Dyke. So uh, I'm just throwing that out there for for us just to deal with the rumor of it. Yeah, and that's a situation, and I I hear you. I've seen it make the message board rounds. And look, if I'm Tyler Van Dyke, I I could see wanting to transfer to Alabama. As far as Alabama's interest level in Tyler Van Dyke, I don't have any knowledge of that at this point but uh just kind of looking at the last year or so and understanding ago a, a couple of years ago tyler van dyke was was prolific enough that some people felt like he would use 2022 as a springboard year to the national football league yeah so there's been that sort of positivity in the past surrounding his play as well but i, I the, the the way that i would envision tyler van dyke joining that quarterback room would be on the grounds of Sure, you can come in and compete, but he's not a slam dunk plug no. and play guy, in no. my opinion, uh, at Alabama. There's a couple of guys that uh, around college football right now that I look at and say, oh, yeah, that, that could be one of those guys. But it brings to it brings to the center a bigger point is that how many of these programs in the SEC are going to be engaged with the quarterback position where the transfer portal is concerned here in the coming days once we really get a yes. full head count on who's in there i mean max johnson played his tail off in the spring True game team. uh you mentioned vandergriff saying he's staying at georgia so it, it's the unknown right now about exactly who's going to be in that portal not just in terms of sec guys but as we're talking about with van dyke you know guys from around the country really um what we do know is that Jaden Daniels will not be in the transfer portal <laughs> for LSU coming off his big season in year one with LSU. And you got the the LSU spring game coming up on Saturday. And uh, I see here we're continue to get encouraging news where a couple of injured guys are concerned from a year ago. And one of those being Mason Smith, who Travis and I both love. Uh, and again, Travis, we talked about last week. Uh, some some LSU beat writers have said he's the best player on the team, not much less a defense, which is a mouthful. Deshaun Womack, 
Also, those guys are getting a little more work. Doesn't mean they'll play in the spring game, uh, but they're a little more active uh, than what they were. Running back situation too, uh, either suspensions or surgeries or uh, or just injuries. Josh Williams, John Emery, uh, Armani Goodman, all those guys. Uh, LSU's got an embarrassment of riches, Trav, as far as running back. Uh, is concerned. Uh, Trey Hawley is also mentioning that. Man alive, this is a tremendously talented team. Uh, they're not going under the radar this year. Again, I point out that Florida State game in Orlando the first Sunday night, uh, that that will be appointment television uh, to see where this team is. And as you mentioned, Jaden Daniels, Trav, if he continues to really uh, work and impress the sky may be the limit uh, as far as he is concerned and maybe the limit for this LSU football team yeah and even with Kayshawn Booty moving on uh, to the uh, NFL still a, a, a nice core of receivers for Daniels to work with and not just in terms of talent but the chemistry he's been able to develop with those guys now that he's been around for about a year in that program so a lot of positivity. Again, it's a team that still lost four games That's right. in 2022, but including to a five and seven Texas A&M team late in the regular season. But, you know, as we've seen in the past, those wins over Alabama tend to count for more yeah. than one with a fan base. And I think uh, that was the case for LSU for sure. Well, uh, Brent, uh, we have recapped last week's games. We have looked ahead to this week's two scrimmages for SEC teams. What else do we have to talk about before we get out of here on a Thursday? Well, I think the uh, obviously continue to watch the uh, the transfer portal uh, and where that's going to go. And as you said, after this LSU and Alabama uh, spring games, and I'm not saying LSU and Alabama will be heavily involved with it, but uh, it, it, the dust settles a little bit for us to wait and, and, and Trav, again, this is a sermon on another day, but I mean, uh, this is, uh, I mean, we can see the end of April and the other, and besides, uh, in the merry month of May and the, uh, uh, preseason magazines coming out and in a little over a month, look, there's some serious work this league's going to have to do, uh, in Destin, Travis has been at Destin before, uh, appreciates their relaxed atmosphere, playing golf with each other, used to give out big checks. But, Trav, this Destin trip in about a month, uh, there's a heck of a lot of big-time decisions coming out uh, for the SEC in terms of scheduling and how many conference games. And uh, uh, this is going to be a lot more of a working vacation for these guys this year, will it not? Yeah, that, when I went down or I went over to uh, Destin for those SEC spring meetings, that was a sleepy sort of era. <laughs> it yeah. has come to life in the yes. last few years as a media opportunity. And we talked about this a month or so ago in anticipation of scheduling and with Texas and Oklahoma coming in and what that's going to look like in terms of format and those type of things. Uh, kind of felt like that was a target date uh, to consider uh, with with uh, SEC spring meetings coming up in about, well, five or six weeks, I guess now. So not all that distant out there on the horizon. Well, Brent, as always, a lot of fun, a lot of information with you 
here on the Second Helping Podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast as of yet, we certainly hope you will do so wherever you consume pods. You're going to find the Second Helping Podcast. Anything else, Brent, before we get out of here? Yeah, Trev, uh, I think the listeners won a pops update. Uh, has the behavior been stellar over the last few weeks, possibly? Well, actually, Pops contracted COVID no. here in the last week or so. Yeah, he and Nana. So a little bit more of a serious tone with Pops. He's okay. Yeah. Seems to be doing well. He and Nana have uh, sort of moved through it in pretty good fashion. So, uh uh, thankfully, that's the case. But yeah, we figure to have him up and roaring here. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. his last family get together was Easter Sunday, right? And uh, he was into the Bloody Marys at mid morning. So <laughs> you know, I think maybe he was trying to kill off the COVID, but it, yeah. it didn't work. Yeah. But no, in all seriousness, we're looking to get him well and uh, back on his wheels here in the in the very near future. Well, Trav enjoyed it. Thanks much to you and for uh, Bill Oakley and his help uh, with our podcast. And uh, man, we are the, the, this year is moving through very quickly as we uh, uh, get to some very uh, interesting. You and the word you said a minute ago, there used to be sleepy off seasons. We don't have that anymore, do we, Trav? Not really. No, no, we do not. Thank you, transfer portal. Thank you, early signing period too. I mean, it's just, I said it a couple months ago, and I think you've seen more and more of it and heard more and more of it. No way I'd be a college football coach these days. Uh, Not right now. If offered the same opportunity in the National Football League, I would run, not walk, because the uh, commitment is far greater for those folks at the college level than it has ever been. So, Brent, again, enjoyed it. We'll do it again real soon for Brent Beard, Travis Ryer. Thanking you for joining us right here on second helping until next time so long everybody